Well, friends, well, friends good, morning. good morning. Good morning and welcome, and welcome to Pleasant Street, Street Christian, Christian Reformed Church. Church. My, name My name is Matthew and I'm the senior pastor here at Pleasant Street CRC here in Whitensville, in Whitensville Massachusetts. Massachusetts. And it's good and to be, be with you this morning. morning. Uh, if you are, if you are joining, joining us online and remote, and remote um, um, at, some at some distance, you may not know, but it turns out it snows here, here. Uh, as, uh, as all of us in the room are very much aware of. And so, and so if you are joining us by remote or online, we give, we give thanks uh, that you are still in your comfy, comfy pants, pants and, the and the snow boots are in, uh, in the closet as well. As we get started this morning, as we usually do, we come together to worship, but also to hear about things that are happening in the life of our community. So I'm going to invite Pastor Annika up, who's going to give us a few announcements. Hi, everyone. This week, week, Wednesday, Wednesday, we have the opportunity to gather together for our congregational meeting. That is happening at 7 p.m. here in this building. However, we're also going to be simulcasting it on Zoom. So. You, you are, are welcome, welcome to join from your own home, home on Zoom, and we want, and we to, want to give you just a quick heads up about that. That, that, that link will be, will be sent out tomorrow via, via MailChimp, probably, probably around noontime. Noon so, so if you want to join via Zoom, Zoom look, look for that link. link. Um, um, when it when comes, it comes through, through on Wednesday, Wednesday what, will what will happen is I will actually be manning the Zoom Back, back in the sound, sound booth with Tom, Tom Cooper, Cooper, Tech, Tech Extraordinaire, um, who will be on your, on your screen. screen. You, will you will see both everything, everything that's happening up here. That actually, actually we're, using we're using the whole camera, camera system, system that you see. That you see so, you'll so you'll see all that. that. But, then but then you'll, you'll also, also see me because um, I'll be kind of the Zoom host. However, you will not hear me and I will not be able to hear you because what you will be hearing and what, and what I, I will be hearing, be hearing is what's, is what's coming, coming over the microphones. The microphones. So, we're so we're working with the technology a little bit on that. So uh, a few things to note, we're going to be using the chat feature via Zoom to communicate. So, so if you have a question or a comment, again, again I will not be able to hear you if you're on Zoom. So we ask you to chat in all those kind of questions or comments. If you, you are, are like, like, I have no idea how to use chat. chat. We're going to try and give you a quick precursor at the beginning of the meeting. However, if you, if you want to have a little like paper or whiteboard handy and you want to like physically write out your question and hold, and hold it up to the camera, camera um, I will do my best to, to read those as well. So um, we're going to just work within the, the technology on this one. Um, one other, other quick note. Uh, at, this at this time, the, the only planned vote at the meeting is going to be for the budget, uh, whether to pass or relook at that. Um, so, we so we are going to be using the voting via the polling on Zoom. So, so if you are a couple and you want to be able to vote individually, you will need two devices. So each be on a device. If you are unanimous in your vote and you just want to cast one vote, you can just use the one. That will leave that up to you. So that's all happening on Wednesday. Also, I will be on the Zoom probably 15 minutes prior to the meeting, and I will be able to talk at that point. So if you're having questions or issues and you want to jump on a few minutes early, please do so, and we'll make that happen. Also on, also on Wednesday night is our last chance to turn in our notes to our, notes to our college students, students most, of most of who are kind of back around here at this point. point. Again, we've been globe-trotting globe with them. With them. Um, um, so, so 
If you would, if like, you would to like to send them a little note of encouragement, please make sure those are turned in in the fellowship by Wednesday night at the end of the congregational meeting. Also in the, also in the fellowship hall today are the NAC tags, gifts, gifts clothing, clothing, food, food cards. cards. Those, those would need to be turned in in two weeks. weeks. Finally, next, next week during the during second, second offering, we'll have the opportunity to support Carol Lewis's ministry, the Healing Heart Hospitality House. So we invite you to join with us in supporting them next week during our second offering. Thank you, Thank you, Annika. As, as it strikes, strikes me that as her announcements, announcements uh, reveal, we, we can all uh, we are all very aware of the fact that in the last 10 months, ten months church has changed a lot. How we, How do, we church do church has changed a lot, and thanks to Annika and also the many others in this church community who have helped to try to make it possible for us to to adapt to a very changing situation. Um, we change, we change uh, we're, very we're very aware, aware now, now that we come, we come to church in a lot of different ways more than we used to. Some of us come by clicking on a link in the live stream. Some of us come by catching up to a pre-recorded service that we missed when it was live. Other of us come the old-fashioned way here in person. And, uh, and uh, we're, we're also aware, aware that we come for a lot of different reasons. reasons. Some, of Some of us are here um, virtually or in person because we could not imagine anywhere else to be on a Sunday morning. morning. Others, Others of us, you may you find yourself here because this is, in fact, uh, the last, uh, last place that you would have ever expected yourself to be on a Sunday. On a Sunday. And, and, yet and yet you are here, here looking at church as a last resort. resort. For some of us, we come parting tears in our eyes. We are, we are very aware, aware that we come to church, to church in different ways and looking, and looking for, different for different things. things. And in all and of this, we are very aware that, that there is a lot more that goes on when we come than we, than we can see. We are, we are aware, aware that, that those of us in this room, room there, uh, there, are there are more of us than we, than we can see around us. If we're looking at it through a screen, we are aware that there is more that is happening here than what our video feed can capture. And it strikes me that no matter how much church has changed and continues to change, that is the one thing that has always been that way. Because um, there is always, in fact, more happening in church than we can see. When we come, for whatever reasons, we are confronted by something that we might not have seen when we arrived, which is this. We are greeted by a proclamation. Whatever we bring with us and whatever reason is behind coming, we are greeted by the historic and the ancient truth that, ha that shapes the beginning of our worship service, which is this. We are gathered. It is God who has brought us here. And that is much more true than how we have come. When we gather, um, we are reminded that it is God who gathers us for a very specific reason. To be with us. To meet with us. To nourish us. To feed us. To reveal himself to us, which is, of course, what we are longing for more than anything else this Advent, that God would break into this world and into our lives as well. So with that in mind, friends, gathered in the presence of God, I'd invite you to rise in body or in spirit, and let's say our call to worship. The call to worship is based on Luke 1, 46 through 50. Please join. Our souls magnify the Lord. Our spirits rejoice in God, our Savior. The Mighty One has done great things for us. Holy is God's name. Let us worship God, for He is our Maker and our Redeemer. From generation to generation, God is 
sing of that. Sunday of Advent, we light the candle of peace. We light, we light this candle as a sign of our waiting and expectation You may be seated. Mary's life living in small-town Nazareth, a virgin, pledged to be married to Joseph, young. Then one day, the angel Gabriel, greetings, highly favored, greatly troubled, the message, conception, delivery, a son, son of the Most High, a king, an eternal king, but how, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Most High. Confirmation, see Elizabeth. Mary's changed life. Still living in small town Nazareth. A virgin, pregnant. S still to marry Joseph. Young, humble, a servant, glorifying God. Do, Do not, not be afraid. afraid. Do not be afraid? Do, Do not, not be afraid. afraid of what God intends to do. Do, do not, not be, be afraid, afraid of what God has asked of you. Do, do not, not be afraid, afraid when you do not understand. Do, do not, not be afraid. God is working out God's plan. Do, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid.
Brothers and sisters, when we come into the presence of the living God together, we do so to remember who God is. We remember that God is holy, that God is the one who can get to us from anywhere, even in our living rooms. Remembering this, we also, uh, in truth, acknowledge who we are not. We acknowledge that we are not holy, good, we are not pure, we are not beautiful like God is. In fact, we are people mired in sin who live in a broken and sinful world. And so, aware of and acknowledging both of these things, we do sense a certain fear. For together, we practice the longing for the return of God himself, and we are not quite sure what, we, what he will find in us or in this world. And so when we come together, it is right and fitting together that we should at the same time acknowledge God's greatness and a longing for him to return and also our desperate need to uh, be made worthy of him when he comes back. When Christians come together, we confess that God is great and we confess sin. We confess together that we have gone the wrong way, that we have erred, that we have strayed. My friends, we can only do this because God has already made available to us what, what he's done about it. He's set before us Jesus, his son, who has already come. Brothers and sisters, we do not confess because we wish to be forgiven. We confess because we see that we already have been. And so this morning, as we make our confession, as we say, I am sorry, as we ask for God to come and to renew us and the world in the love of Jesus Christ, which we have seen and tasted, we're going to use the words uh, from the very first Christian who there ever was, from Mary herself. And we're going to use her words to express and confess the beauty of who God is and also to ask for God to come and to renew all things. We're going to ask God to come and make God's face to shine on us and to open our hearts to God's will for our lives. And so, my friends, when I say, restore us, O God, we're going to have a refrain. I would invite you to respond by saying, and make your face shine upon us that we might be saved. Friends, would you pray with me? Our souls glorify you, O Lord, and our spirits rejoice in you, our Savior. For you have been mindful of the humble state of your servants. You have heard our cry and saved your people. We shall be called blessed because we are called by you to be a blessing to others. Your mercy extends from generation to generation. Your mercy called Adam and Eve into being. Your mercy saved Noah and his family from the flood. Your mercy caused Sarah's womb to be fruitful. Your mercy gave Joseph's dreams the power to save a nation. Your mercy heard the Israelites cry and called Moses to action. Your mercy cha charged Mary with the most special of tasks. Your mercy strengthened Joseph to care for her. Your mercy sent Jesus Christ into the world to save us from the dark of night. We give you thanks for your mercy. May it continue to shine upon us. Restore us, O God, together we say, and make your face shine upon us that we might be saved. We remember this day those who crave your shining face, who long for the light, who need your power to drive out the darkness. 
for those who live with depression or other mental illness. For those who cannot bring themselves to forgive others. For those who cannot forgive themselves. For those who have lost loved ones in the past year. For those who have lost physical or mental abilities. For those who care for aging spouses or loved ones. For those who have been living with cancer and other debilitating illnesses. For these and all the others we name silently, we ask, restore us, O God, and make your face shine upon us that we might be saved. We ask, Lord, that you would strengthen us as a congregation, as we serve one another and those with whom you called us into fellowship, as we seek to bring hospitality and hope to our community, as we discern where you might be leading us, as we hold in tension that which we have been with that which you call us to be, as we seek to be the best stewards of the money and gifts which we have been blessed, as we search for the truth of your word and do our best to live it out in our lives, as we wait, watch, and wonder in preparation for the coming of your Son. Restore us, O God. Gracious God, on this Advent journey, may we wait with Mary's joyful anticipation as we prepare to welcome your Son, our Savior, into this broken world in need of his redeeming. Gather us, guide us, and keep us as your people. Send us into the world so that our hands might be Christ's own and his mind one with ours in all that you would have us do. Restore us, O God. Amen. Lord God, we ask that hearing the prayers that we offer both with our lips and those in our hearts, that you would hear them all and forgive us in the faith and in the hope and in the life that comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, we come into God's presence uh, gathered at his beckon, and we come to be restored and forgiven. Friends, there is good news for you. There is comfort for all that hurts and sorrows in this world. It comes from Isaiah. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Your sins are pardoned. The penalty is paid. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our song of response is Mary's song. You'll find it in your bulletin, tucked inside. And uh, I invite you to either follow along or try to sing along as you feel led. I invite you to rise in body or spirit.
In a world that is waiting for a sign of peace, God has brought it here to you and to you. The peace has come in the middle of the war, peace with God. He offers it to you. Would you turn and extend it in a socially distanced way to each other? The Christ of peace with you. And also Good morning. My name is John Vriesma, and I am an elder here. And today we are focusing on peace as our theme of, uh, for Advent. Psalm 29.11 says, The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Our prayer this morning will focus on only the peace that we can get from God. Would you pray with me, please? Father in heaven, this is a day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. But Lord, it's sometimes hard to rejoice and find that peace. We live with restrictions on travel and recreation. We have to be careful in all our activities that we don't contract or spread a virus. Many of us need to experience church from our homes rather than be together as a church family. Some in our midst have the virus and need to stay home or cut back on work or reduce or limit being with family. Lord, be near to them and May they know your peace. Lord, others are in nursing homes or hospitals and can't see their families. There are long stretches of loneliness or even helplessness. Lord, be near to them. May they know your peace, even in the loneliness. Lord, for our missionaries that we support through faith promise, some far, far away from their homes and families here, may they feel you near and be carried by your peace and your encouragement. Lord, bless their work. Lord, we think of others who are struggling, like Jonathan and Desi and their family who have been displaced by fire. Even through this, Lord, may they know your peace in the midst of chaos. And would you bless them with your grace, O God. Help them mightily in their time of need. Lord, Leanne needs your care too as her foot heals we thank you for the um, doctors and nurses that could care for her. And Lord, may she know a peace that comes from having her family around and from a caring community to support her. Lord, bring healing quickly. And may her husband Rick also feel your presence and your comfort. Lord, we think of those who have lost loved ones over this past year and how they will have a deep ache in their hearts and minds as they miss their mother or father or spouse or other family member. 
Lord, we pray most recently for Len and the passing of his wife, Gail. And Lord, we just ask that you'd fill them all with a great measure, a greater measure of your peace than the sadness that they would feel. Lord, for those fighting addictions and hang-ups, please bring a spirit of peace and calm to the demons of desire that tempt and haunt them daily. And Lord, to those whose families are broken, especially now at Christmas time, may there also be peace among brother and sister and husband and wife, parents and children. Lord, help us to find your peace in this emotion-filled time of year, a time of year filled with busyness and things that need to be done, or perhaps for others, depression and anxiety. Lord, fill us with calm and assurance that can only come from you. Lord, we pray specifically for Darren's stepfather, who has blockages in his heart and assortment of other um, health issues. Lord, we just ask that you would intervene mightily and that your healing hand would be upon him. Lord, we ask that you be with the firefighter from Northbridge who is in ICU with COVID. And Lord, we know you can work within his body too to bring healing. We just ask that you would do that. Lord, we ask that you be with Kylie, the daughter of a young lady who is associated with um, Celebrate Recovery. We just ask, Lord, that you be with Kylie who has a brain tumor. And Lord, may you just do a miracle in her life. And Lord, um, we just ask that you'd speak through that situation mightily to Kylie, to her mother, and to her father. Father, we just ask that you bless them. And Lord, may they know, all know, your peace. Lord, on a brighter note, we praise you that Tim and Carly have had a baby boy, Elijah Carlton, and what a blessing for them. What a joy. And we rejoice with Grandma and Grandpa, too. And Lord, we ask for your guidance on Wednesday night at our congregational meeting. We need your wisdom, Lord, as we forge a path for our church, your church, here, for our future here. Lord, may we listen to you as we set a budget and as we share about activities going on in this church. And Lord, thank you for those who have stepped up, willing to play, take places of leadership. May your kingdom grow through us. Your will be done here above all, Lord. We thank you for this day, a beautiful sunny one. Though we may need to clean up snow yet, Lord, it is a blessing from you. And for warm homes and plenty of clothes to wear and food to eat, for safety and love, we give you praise and thanks, Lord. We thank you for your word, the amazing story of Jesus' birth in a time of fear and darkness. Lord, the light of the world came. May we experience that light, your peace, as we hear your word spoken this morning. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Lord, may we all experience your peace today, this week, this time, this season. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's reading will be in uh, Luke 1, verses 26 through 45. 
In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered, What kind of greeting might this be? But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, who is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled to me. And then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. It is a truth universally acknowledged that once Thanksgiving has passed, we are all allowed to turn on the Christmas music. And generally, whatever fills your Spotify playlist or your iTunes playlist or whatever else it is, um, the songs that fill them are songs that we already know. Familiar, loved ones, even if it's new renditions. The music plays an important role. It uh, helps change the atmosphere to one of festivity and to change our mood when the snow comes. But if we think about it, what we hear, what we surround ourselves with, often does very little to actually change our lives. But then there was a young woman named Tori who did hear something new, and it came into her life, and it did change everything, because she heard the voice of God, and then she became a nun. 
See, when Tori was in high school, she was the kind of girl who you could say always had an automatic seat at the cool kids' table. She was fierce in her studies. In fact, so fierce that she was the kind of young woman who was given to say things like, Mom, I don't have time for TV. She brought that same intensity to the soccer field, and it earned her a spot on the professional development team. And whatever else she thought about when she looked ahead at her young life, she always assumed that she would marry and have kids and work as a nutritionist. So when the journalist Eve Fairbanks found out about Tori's radical right turn of a decision to become a nun, she was curious. Why would this vibrant, fierce, full-of-life woman want to take a holy vow? Tori's not alone. You may not have known this, but just now we are in a cultural moment where great numbers of millennial women are discerning calls to be nuns. According to a Georgetown University survey in 2017, over 900,000 women aged 18 to 35 were or had at some point considered becoming a nun. The journalist Steve Fairbanks wrote a piece in HuffPost a couple of years a couple of years ago, trying to understand why women like Tori are considering a life of holistic devotion to Jesus. When they met, Tori was 23, and she was stationed at a South Korean military base, and that was the first time that they spoke. The journalist writes, as a first lieutenant, Tori commanded men older than she was, and yet looked a lot younger than even 23. The green fatigues were baggy on her lean frame, and her brown, dyed blonde hair was up in a ponytail. She said, wicked, a lot, and cursed occasionally, and referred to herself as a super-duper paratrooper, complete with thumbs up, ironic thumbs up, and a wink. And Eve thought to herself, this woman wants to be a nun? So when Eve Fairbanks asked Tori, why? Why would you make this decision? Her whole demeanor changed. Tori bowed her head and went pink in the face. And then she opened a prayer journal and read about an encounter with God. One afternoon, when Tori was a senior at her all-girls Catholic high school, she found herself drawn to the chapel. She wasn't a very religious person, and the chapel was a space that usually she avoided. It was small, and it was dark, and it was quiet. But on that day, she went in and As she sat down to pray, a thought occurred to her that was so unbidden and forceful that she literally stood up from her seat and physically ran. I mean, she writes, I ran out of the chapel. I was so filled with fear. The thought? What would it be like to wear a nun's habit? In the ensuing years, she... She couldn't get the vision out of her head, though. Whether she was putting on a soccer uniform or strapless dresses for dances, she kept seeing herself wearing a black veil. And then one day, in another chapel on her college campus, she heard his voice. What what does it sound like? The journalist asks. It doesn't sound like anything. I just knew it was him, she said. And his message was clear. Evangelize. 
When Tori finished reading that entry, she put down the journal <laughs> laughing, laughing like someone who knew this was crazy and yet she didn't really mind, laughing as if, as if she were describing what it's like to fall in love. Friends, it is Advent, and this is an Advent story. For Advent is a time where in a world surrounded by the same sounds on repeat, we lean in for a very different voice. Tori heard a message, Tori heard a message that filled her both with fear and wonder at the same time, a message that both made her want to run and also leap for joy. And that story about Tori reminds me of another young woman, younger still, in fact. A girl interrupted, you might say, by an angel and an announcement of something new. An annunciation comes to a feisty young girl named Mary who comes from a a poor town called Nazareth. Mary is given a greeting, nothing more. It's a, it's a greeting that comes, though, as an interruption to whatever plans that she may have had. Greetings. Hail, Mary. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. Luke is still in the first chapter of his story about the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Jesus, and it opened last week in ways we wouldn't have expected, but some of them were familiar We began last week with a priestly couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth, and this couple, we are told, has genealogical bona fides that go all the way back to Aaron. In other words, this couple makes the Queen of England look like a newbie. (laughs) And the story also begins where we would expect a story like this to begin, at the center of the world, the temple in Jerusalem. But then all of a sudden... Luke shifts the scene way far away from the place where everybody was looking for the Messiah to come from and takes us to where? Where is it again? What's the name of that little, oh yeah, Nazareth. Wait, where's that? Exactly. And he drops us down in this story on a young woman who is doing what? That's not in there either. We don't know. And I'm sorry, she's related to whom? I don't know. He didn't tell us that either, which is very odd. Do you remember what I said about introductions in Luke last week? Who you were related to was everything. And I'm sorry, who is it that Mary's related to? Luke doesn't bother to tell us. In fact, he omits for us any reason that she might be favored at all. She is just a young woman, if you can even call her that, really. I mean, she is a woman, but just barely a virgin, a word that that means that she is of marriageable age, but also, narrowly speaking, a woman who's not known a man. She is betrothed to Joseph and likely around 13 years old. Greetings, O highly favored one. The Lord is with you. This story is powerful and provocative. My friends, the first Christian is a teenage girl from a backwater village in an occupied country. And Luke says a couple of times that she's a virgin. It's important for us, I think, 
to realize that this is not Luke's way of saying that sex is dirty. This is not Luke's creative theological way of trying to say that Joseph is the one who carries sin and therefore by leaving Joseph out of it, Mary is sinless and therefore so is Jesus. No, what Jesus gets from Mary is not sinlessness, but humanness. The sinlessness part comes because he is conceived by the Holy Spirit. I think Luke's point in emphasizing that Mary is a virgin is his way of announcing something to all of us as well. And that is that in this story, we are all entering virgin territory. We are entering to a kind of story that we have never been to before. God is doing something new in this story, something that he has not done before. And what God announces to Mary is unique to her in this moment. It is a signal that something new with a capital N is about to happen, and it is something that she is unable to conceive of by herself. Well, yes, Isaiah did say a long time ago, if you know your Bible, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, but that was a long time ago, and perhaps no one thought God was speaking literally. Gabriel says to Mary, greetings, hail, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. But Mary is troubled at first because she is not sure what kind of greeting this might be. She knows her Old Testament scriptures, and so she recognizes these words. These are loaded words. These are the words that God uses in scripture to address people who have been handpicked for very special tasks. Eventually, Mary will sing with great joy about this greeting, but she does not start there, not at all. She's first troubled by the greeting. She is wondering what kind of greeting this might be. She asks, how can this be? Well, now, wait a minute. Right? Because didn't Zacharias say almost exactly the same thing last week? I mean, it does look a little bit like a double standard, doesn't it? Same angel, same surprising encounter, same greeting, similar message straight from God himself. They both ask questions. How will I know, Zacharias says. How can this be, Mary says. Yeah, but the angel can tell the difference, apparently, between a what and a how. Because Zechariah, totally afraid, asks, what is the proof for this? Unrecognizing that the proof is standing right in front of him. Mary is troubled, incredulous, astonished, and yet she asks, how? How is this possible? And in this moment, the young Jewish girl puts the priestly Bible scholar to shame. Not with a blind faith, though, but with this kind of doubting, wondering question that at the same time expresses is big enough to hold both real fear and also express open-handed willingness to want to understand what seems totally impossible. How can this be? It does take some guts to ask an angel a question like that, and yet how could you do anything less? I mean, to hear that you, that you will have a role in bearing the salvation of God to the world. You, as a 13-year-old young woman in a world that doesn't think too much of them, 
You as a rural villager in an occupied country, imagine that you or I are told by an angelic messenger that God has noticed you, that God knows you by name, that you are highly favored. God Almighty has chosen you to participate in his divine drama that has been unfolding since the beginning of the creation. There was an analogy Tim Keller once made, which I love here, and he said, imagine, imagine that you have a distant relative who came to you one time and told you that you had just received an inheritance of $2 billion dollars. You didn't even know that you had a fabulously wealthy, distant relative, but all the same, it's, it's yours now, and this news changes everything about your outlook on the future and your life, and yet, and yet in that moment, what you say is, yeah, I believe it, I guess. I always thought something really special was going to happen to me. The messenger would, would likely shake their head at us as if to say, buddy, you are not in touch with reality. This, this greeting to Mary is that kind of new announcement that, that simply requires all of you, not just in order to respond to it, but even to get your mind and your, your heart around it. Luke lifts Mary up as if to say, we too must enter the same virgin territory, which saddens us because we realize just how many other things that we've already given ourselves to. We look around and we see that we've given ourselves to so many other promises of something new. A new resolution, a new year, a new job, a new hobby, a new trip. We've committed to turning over a new leaf again or making good on new promises this time we promise. A new five-year plan. We are quite literally otherwise engaged. And, and especially at this time of the year, we just, we just have so little time or space to contemplate something this demanding. I, there's already so many other promises of new things that are growing inside of us. It's, it's really hard to find the room, especially this time of year, especially for Christians at Christmas. And so we think, well, all right, I'll, I'll just try to fit it in. I'll, I'll try to grab what I can and assimilate it into an already busy life. It reminds me of a story that Gordon T. Smith uh, once told about when he was a new pastor. He, at this point, when he wrote this, was a theologian at Regent College in Vancouver. But at the time, when he was a young pastor, the congregation that he served had two services each Sunday. And one was in the morning, one was in the evening, and perhaps that's familiar to some of you. And one Sunday evening, he was greeting people for the start of the service with an elder, and, and the elder, and they were both standing there shaking hands. These were in the days when we shook hands, if you remember that. And with a twinkle in his eye, the elder mentioned as an aside that when he heard that evening's sermon, it was going to be the eighth sermon of the day. And Gordon T. Smith sort of cocked his head a little bit, and and he said, oh, and so the elder went on to explain that, in fact, he listens to nine sermons every Sunday. The, first go, it, the schedule goes like this. The first is a radio broadcast that starts early in the morning, and the second is a TV broadcast that's timed with breakfast, and the third happens on the drive to church. Smith's morning sermon is then the fourth one of the day, and then it's back home again for sermon number five, 
Uh, number six happens uh, during, as a mid-afternoon taped sermon from this elder's storehouse. And then the seventh sermon happens over supper. And then Smith's evening sermon is number eight. And then number nine happens uh, for catching one last radio preacher before bed. I'm tired just thinking about it. Um, Smith, reflecting on that, goes on to say this. He says, from that point on, I began to appreciate that we as a people are simply not capable of hearing and genuinely responding to two sermons on a Sunday. For my dear brother, listening to sermons was a hobby, which is not the same as genuine spiritual learning. And the thing that that story reveals to us is that the thing that God wants from us is not more things at all. God is not looking for more production from his servants. The thing that God wants is for us to be available, to be open, to be yielded, which is hard because so much of our lives is spent in action and actualization. And we bring all of this same activity to our lives with God. We bring this need to be full and to commit more. And if it's not working, we try to add more. And if I'm not changing, I must just do more, add more, apply more effort. Yeah, but Mary, the very first Christian, knows better. Maybe we should follow her lead. Mary... Mary knows better than to pull out a calendar and say, how can I help Gabriel? I'm sorry, and what can I do? I've so appreciated something that Loretta Ross Gada wrote in a small reflection on Mary called To Be Virgin. And she says this, the gift of greatest efficacy and power that we can offer God and creation is not our skills, our gifts, our abilities, possessions. Mary offered only space, love, belief. In the end, when all other human gifts meet their inevitable limitations, it is the bold virgin with a heart in love with God who delivers Christ, who delivers us. It is with open arms and heart and womb that Mary receives a gift. Yeah, but why did she get it in the first place? We come full circle. We're not told. We aren't told. We are only told that she is favored by God. The greeting is all that there is. Greetings, O highly favored one. The Lord is with you. And the angel never says why. He doesn't say, Greetings, O devoted one. Greetings, O faithful one. Greetings, you who have followed through on all of your commitments and met all of your deadlines. Greetings, O PhD candidate. Greetings, pure one, calm one, innocent one. None of that. She is simply told that she has been seen by God and favored. And that is troubling. And so the angel says it again, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. 
you will conceive. Not you will understand, not you will follow through, not you will obey, you will conceive. And the message is the same for us. God announces something to us that is impossible, and yet it comes to us anyway. It knows us somehow. It gets inside of us and begins to grow as unprepared and unexpecting as we are. Because we are not addressed this morning, brothers and sisters, as those who have been devoted enough those who have followed through sufficiently on all the things we promised to do, we are known and favored. And why? Simply because God has chosen us. Simply because in his great mercy, he has called you by name. And how does it happen? Somehow by the power of the Holy Spirit, God conceives of something inside of us we could not come up with on our own. And what is it Paul tells us in almost all of his letters? Christ in you. Oh, my friends, the gospel gives us something to sing about, something that moves us deep in our being, something that is worth pondering with all of your mind and heart together. The gospel brings mind and heart together. Just as Mary will sing, my soul rejoices in God. He has lifted me up. He has blessed me. He has changed the world to one where, uh, where a place all of a sudden where the proud and powerful do not always stay on top and the poor and broken do not always stay on the bottom. God has turned everything upside down and inside out and the rich are empty and the power are out of a job and the poor are full and the grieving have joy. Talk about something new. There's a medieval Christmas carol which I stumbled across one year and it's in Latin and it has this refrain. Nova, nova, ave, fit, ex, eva. And if you don't know Latin, that's okay. I don't either. But here's the translation. New thing, new thing, Ave becomes from Eve. And what you have to understand is that the medievals loved to play with words and turn them around and do all kinds of intricate things with them. And in Latin, Gabriel's annunciation to Mary begins with the first word, hail, Ave. And Eve's name in Latin is Eva. And so Ave is the reversed spelling of Eva. Gabriel says Ave to Mary, and it reverses the curse on Ava. It's a wordplay, and it means Gabriel says Ave to Mary, and the announcement reverses the sin of Eve. Eve becomes Ave. In the mouth of an angel, words have just that much power. In the mouth of God, words have that much power, for no word from the Lord will ever fail, he says. Friends, God's announcement to Mary is so powerful that it demands something more than action, something more than even consideration or assent. The only proper response to it is just to let it in, to make room, to let it grow inside you, and to let it change you. Greetings, favored ones. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. You will.
conceive. You will know with mind and heart together Christ in you. And you will bear this to the world. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we come to you this morning as people who are used to technical solutions, and yet we long for something so much more. We ask that you would come to us, not with a to-do list, but with the unfathomable, amazing, present, close greeting that we are favored by you. As afraid as we are as what this will do to us, we ask that you would make us to be people who can receive it and who can offer our whole selves in response to it. For that is what you sent your Son to do for us, to offer his body, to offer his whole life to us, that we might know that we are your beloved. We ask that you would break into us and into this world with that same good news. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Friends, I would invite you uh, normally to respond to God together by an, with an act of response, an act of giving offerings, of giving some of the money that God has given to us for particular causes in this church of course, we cannot do that as part of our worship service, but we can still respond together, either by giving online or by depositing uh, checks in the box, which is in the entryway there on, on your way in or on your way out. Uh, we'll also have a chance to respond together um, now by receiving a song uh, from Victoria, which is called Be Born in Me. Uh, please remain seated, and uh, we'll receive the song together.
Brothers and sisters, friends, guests, visitors for the first time, we all know that however we came today, the reason we came is because we want life with God. And the good news is that whatever brought you here, it was God who gathered you to be here together this morning. And if you are here, then you have met the good news, which is that for a life with God, the only thing that you need is nothing. And so, if you have nothing, you have everything you need. And as you go, you go in the good news that God has turned his face towards you, that he smiles upon you, that he will not look away from you ever again. And so I'd invite you to go as people who are sent with God smiling upon you. Would you rise in body and spirit and receive God's parting blessing? Practices help me, and so I'd invite you, if it helps you, to take your hands, turn them up like this, and to look up. Friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. He has. Let's go singing.
Savior.